time for another preaching teaching moment. Father, we realize and we understand, oh God, that there's nothing that we could have done that would cause us to be so great, so wonderful, so perfect to be able to stand behind the sacred desk. But God, you called me. God, you called me for such a time as this, oh God. So it's at this appointed time I stand behind this sacred desk. And I ask even now, oh God, that the Holy Ghost be our preacher, be our teacher on today. Ask for permission, oh God, to preach your word. God, I pray that if in any of the preparation, oh God, that I've done something adverse or contrary to what your word declares. Father, I pray that you remove it now in the name of Jesus. God, that we might hear you so clearly. Not hear me, but hear you so clearly. And God, I pray even now, oh God, that I would never bring reproach unto your name, oh God. But God, that he that have an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. And Father, we bless you even now. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Luke, the 20th chapter. Luke, the 20th chapter. Starting at the ninth verse. Luke 20. Starting at verse 9. We have determined this month that we are going to, we're starting today a series called We Are the House. We are the house. And we want to make sure that we understand what God called this house. That we understand what God called us to do. Amen? Amen. Amen. Luke 20. Starting in verse 9. Reading from the New American Standard Version, it's also up on the screen. It reads as follows And he began to tell the people this parable A man planted a vineyard and rented it out to vine growers and went on a journey for a long time. At the harvest time, he sent a slave to the vine growers so that they would give him some of the produce of the vineyard. But the vine growers beat him and sent him away empty-handed. And he proceeded to send another slave. And they beat him also and treated him shamefully and sent him away empty-handed. And he proceeded to send a third. And this one also they wounded and cast out. The owner of the vineyard said, what shall I do? I will send my beloved son. Perhaps they will respect him. But when the vine growers saw him, they reasoned with one another, saying, This is the heir. Let us kill him so that the inheritance will be ours. So they threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. What then will the owner of the vineyard do to him, them? Verse 16. He will come and destroy these vine growers and will give the vineyard to others. When they heard it, they said, May it never be. But Jesus looked at them and said, what then is this that was written? The stone which the builders rejected. This became the chief cornerstone. Verse 18. Everyone who falls on that stone will be broken to pieces. But on whomever it falls, it will scatter him like dust. And the word of the Lord is blessed. Amen. Amen. 
Before you sit down, when you turn to somebody in here, you can probably look at everybody at the same time. And say, neighbor. Neighbor. Who is your landlord? Who is your landlord? You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Who is your landlord? Like I said, we are starting a series called We Are the House. Because back in the summer, early summer of 2010, probably even prior to that, God, uh, well, let me, no, not maybe. Definitely prior to that, God started speaking to um, folks and having them come to me and say, do you see yourself pastoring? And I looked at them like they cussed me. Kind of like, you know, if somebody come up to you and say, are you pregnant? And you ain't trying to have no more babies. Y'all know what I'm talking about. People come up and say, have you thought about pastoring? Uh, no, I'm good. I got a youth choir. That's my, that's my congregation. That, that was it. I'm done. But more people kept coming up to me and I can see you. Well, I can't see me, so get on somewhere. No. Hmm. I wasn't trying to have it. And it wasn't until I, I actually hosted, okay, I actually hosted a uh, women's conference, a women's uh, seminar, actually. The name of it was Becoming a Woman of Wholeness. Brought somebody in. Um, matter of fact, that was the fall of 2009. Fall of 2009. And um, at the end of that seminar, there was prayer going on, and, and uh, it prayed for me, and um, I heard the Lord. I heard the Lord give me the name of this ministry and give me that scripture, Psalm 127 and 1. And I wept. I wept because I was like, God, no, this, this can't be. I don't see too much stuff go on in churches and pastors and no, can't be. So the first thing I told the Lord was, I got a good reason not to pastor. You ain't got to do me like that, Elder Carol. He said, I got a good reason not to pastor. The Lord said, okay, what? The first one I said is, there's too many churches in the area. There's no need to have another church in the area. And he said, you're absolutely right. That's why I want you to call this one a ministry and not a church. Understand this. The word church in many uh, minds' eyes or in, in many um, uh, contexts regretfully has lost the power. You know, we use the word church as if it is a building and, and we use the word church. A church needs to get more relevant and, and church needs to be uh, more adaptable to what it is that's going on today. Church needs to do that. Well, if the Bible says that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore, and if he is the chief cornerstone, then we shouldn't be trying to change what it is that he founded the church on, which is upon this rock. I, You are the Christ, the son of the living God. Upon this rock, Peter, I build my church. 
and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. We've gotten away from understanding what the purpose of church is. And so I told God, we got too many churches going on here. He said, okay, so then I want you to do ministry. <laughs> okay, I got something else for you, God. I got something else. I got something. And I just believe, I just believe God talks to me the way that, you know, we understand stuff. You know, he doesn't always talk to us in these nows. Thou daughter, thou art fair. And God don't talk to me like that. If he talks to you like that, that's fine. But he don't talk to me like that. So I said, I got something else for you guys. He said, okay, bring it. <laughs> I said, I don't believe in female pastors. At the time, I did. What? He said, then you don't believe in yourself. Mm. <sighs> I said, okay. I got, I got one more thing. I got one more thing. I said, I need to talk to my husband about this. Because if he says no, then certainly I can't do that. And you told me, God, in your word, honor your husband. Now, mind you, up until that time, I ain't never asked my husband for no idea what I was going to do. But I figured this time, it's important to ask him. So I remember one evening, we were talking about something, and I just said, what would you say if I told you God called me a pastor? And he just kind of stepped back and looked at me. And in my mind, I'm like, here we go. I ain't got to do it. I ain't got to do it. You know how you start skipping like a kid? Like, there we go. I ain't going to have to do it. And he said, I guess that means I need to go to the Lord and see what that means for me. That's when I really wept because I knew this thing was real. So why am I telling you all this? Why am I telling you all the history of, of his house and, and things like this? I'm telling you because, first of all, I was number one to want to be up in front of people to be in charge. It was all right if you called me to call, the, you know, to preach. I'd preach. I'd go sit down. And I was good directing choirs on a regular basis and only preaching periodically. I was good with that. And God said, Pastor, and not Go and try and find you a church. Create one from the ground up. This is not one that I uh, assumed from anybody else. God told me to start this thing from the ground up. And I will give you instructions on what needs to happen. So I said, okay, God. What is it that you want to be called? What is it that you want scripture to be? What What are the foundational tenets? What are the building blocks of this ministry? And so that's what we're going to be doing on this month. We are going to be talking about we are the house. We talk about loving the house. But how can you love something that you don't really fully understand? Is that real? Mm -hmm. yeah. So uh, we decided as a ministry team that we needed to uh, have a month where it's wonderful if other folks come in. I, I have a problem with that. But we want to make sure that the house understands why they are the house. Mm -hmm. Amen? Amen. Amen. But the first thing you got to understand is, if we're a house, who's our landlord? 
Y'all ain't saying no. Because this is not one that we own. This is not even one that we rent to own. This is one that we have stewardship over until the owner comes back. Y'all get what I'm saying? So here it is, a parable. And Jesus gave this parable in um, response to uh, the uh, chief priests and the scribes that were in the temple who had a problem with Jesus teaching. And they inquired, what authority do you have to come in this temple and teach the way you do and do the things that you do? And so he started to ask them a series of questions. And so in the answer to those questions, because they said, by what uh, authority do you have to do baptism? Is baptism of John from heaven or is it from man? He said, well, certainly. If, you know, they, they said, well, shoot, he's going to catch us on both sides. If, if we say from heaven, then he's going to say, then why didn't you believe John? If we say from man, then it's going to be a problem because they'll say that we believe that John the Baptist was a prophet. So they said they didn't know where it came from. He said, well, then you won't know where my authority comes from either. Because here's the deal. If they would not accept Jesus being who he was, and they would not understand the authority in which he did what it is that he did, why tell him where it is that it came from when they've been told all along from John the Baptist, from the prophets in the Old Testament, all through the line, they told him where this authority came from, what you should do, and they chose not to accept it. So he came with this parable about the vine growers. Uh, just real quick, the story is that there was a man who planted a vineyard. And he uh, allowed some vine growers to rent it, not take it, rent it. And then he went off on a long journey. That's just like if somebody had a house and asked you to come and house sit for them. And I'm, I'm probably going to be gone on a safari in Africa for a while, so I'll be back after a year. Now, if you were house-sitting for just a week or two, you wouldn't go in and try and make that thing comfortable for yourself, right? Because you figure, I'm only going to be here for a week or two. We, we, I can deal with this the way it is. But somebody say you're going to be able to be there for a year? What you going to do with it? You're going to try and make it your own. You come in, you start doing some things that you want to do. You try to make it look like the way you want it to be. You got only certain folks that you want to come in your house. Y'all ain't talking to me in here. There's some folks that were allowed to come when the uh, the uh, vine, uh, the vineyard, uh, the, the guy who planted the vineyard, there were some folks that were able to come to the vineyard then. But when the vine growers were over the vineyard, them folks couldn't come. I mean, you might be kin to him or you might be friends to them, but no, you can't come up in here. Because think about it. When you're house-sitting for someone else, you all might not share the same type of friends. You might not eat the same kind of food. You, You might not read the same kind of books. You might not listen to the same kind of music. So you're going to do things the way you do it. Not the way the owner does it. 
But notice what verse 9 says. It says that they rented it out. He rented out the vineyard to the vine growers. Rented. Now normally, I don't know about you, but I do remember, um, and matter of fact, even when you uh, have a house, you got to sign. Anybody ever get a mortgage to a house? Mm-hmm. It had to sign over like your lung. <laughs> you know, your, your half your foot. You know, the three of your kids. Two draft picks from the next seat. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. My bad. But you sign away everything when you get. Well, you almost feel the same way when you rent someplace. They give you this long lease, a legalese that you don't understand, and they want you to sign your name to it. I remember. Uh, I think it was. It was last year. I think. Last year when we had the challenge with the door, I was like, oh, yeah, it was last year. When I came here one Sunday, and I said, well, that's a funny design on the door. And didn't realize that a BB had shot through the door. It shattered the door. So me being the person I am, I promptly called the property manager. Because certainly the landlord takes care of all the glass around here. That's got to be in the contract. Yeah, no. Oh, come on. Wasn't in the contract. Now, is it the landlord's fault that it's not in the contract? No, it's my fault for not reading the contract in this entire Y'all ain't catch that. It's not the landlord's fault. Because the landlord put it in the contract. It's my fault for not reading the contract fully. What am I trying to say? God has left us a contract on how to handle his house. And it's not his fault if we do something with his house while he's gone that's not permissible. Oh my God. Help me in here. It's rented. We don't own this. We come in We create this place to have worship. We do certain things to it. But guess what? When we leave, it better be left the same way that they had it when we first walked in. That door has got to go. Because that door wasn't there when we got here. Does that door make it helpful for somebody else if they want the two units together? Absolutely. But guess what? They got to create their own door. Why? Because we have a lease and we have a contract and the contract says how it's supposed to be while we're here and how it's supposed to be when we leave. And it doesn't matter if that door makes it convenient for somebody. Oh, God help me in here. Why am I saying all this, you all? Because look at what happens here. As it gets to harvest time, it says that the man who planted the vineyard sent somebody so he could get some of the produce of the vineyard. But the ones that had rented it beat him and sent him away empty-handed. And that happened three more times. That the one who owned the vineyard sent somebody and they left empty-handed. You all, nobody should ever come to this house and leave empty-handed. If somebody comes in need of <clears throat> in need of love, they should not leave here empty-handed. 
If they come here in need of attention or prayer, they should not leave here empty-handed. If they come here in need of the word, they should not leave here empty-handed. I don't care if it's one person or 1,000 people. The word will be here in the house for folks to get. And it's not for us to say, well, the, the uh, one that owned the vineyard ain't here. So uh, you ain't getting nothing. <laughs> Y'all know how we do. Somebody come to the house. Uh, is so-and-so here? No, they ain't here. Well, can I come in and wait? No, I don't know you. <laughs> Y'all, listen. Y'all know how that go. Not, no. You're right. <laughs> They'll be here in an hour. Come back then. Well, where am I supposed to go? <laughs> Sit in your car. I don't care. Y'all know how we do. If somebody came in here, and we've had instances, and, and Sister kiosha has been with us for a while, so she may remember. We've had instances when we were at the community center when we had uh, folks that, that didn't dress the best, didn't smell the best, didn't look the best, and would trot right on up to the front row and sit down. But I'm grateful, you all, that we understood that love was needed. Amen. We understood that uh, uh, food was needed. We understood that clothes were needed. Now, mind you, we had some instances where folks came in dressed that way, and we gave them stuff and then found out that they played other churches the same way. But it's not for us to say, no, you don't play another church like that. You go on somewhere. Be careful how you entertain strangers. But it may be angels unaware. Now, if we had known ahead of time that he had gone and done things to other churches, would we have done things a little differently? Sure, we probably would have talked to him. But we still might have given him what we gave him. Because God's not going to say to you, why you let him get away with that at your church? He's going to say, I blessed you with this. Why didn't you give it to him anyway? Nobody should ever leave the house empty-handed. Amen. Let me keep going. It says that the owner of the vineyard, after it happened three times, think of the patience of this owner. He said, what? What will I do now? I tell you what I do. I send my own son. Certainly, if I send my own son, they'll respect him. But when they saw the son come, what does the word say in verse 14? They looked at each other and said, look, this is the son of the owner. Maybe if we kill him, we'll get to keep the vineyard. What you say? Can I help you out with something? Help us. Sometimes the church can be full of some of the most vindictive hurtful uh, um, I don't even know the word for it as the old folks say up to no good kind of folks because sometimes we got a mindset of we doing it for us and it's me by me and it's all about us as opposed to thinking about who it is that owns the vineyard and who it is, listen, 
that we're working for. Let's go back to that, that scenario of house sitting. What would have happened after a year if the owner came back? The house, the grass in the house or uh, outside the house never been mowed? If there were holes in the roof that never got patched? If there were uh, rodents and all kinds of pests running up and through the house? When you're in the house, you have to maintain the house. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter what you're accustomed to living like. Mm -hmm. You might say, well, at my house, we only vacuum once a week. But the homeowner may say, no, you have to vacuum more than once a week because I have bad allergies. So I need this to be kept up so that the allergens that are in the carpet are always kept up because you don't realize it, but doing it once a week won't get enough of it out and I won't be able to live in my own house. I wish somebody would hear me. But if you're accustomed to just uh, uh, vacuuming once a week, you'll be like, ah, he'll be all right once a week. But you don't live with the condition of the owner. And you don't know why the owner does what the owner does. But if the owner asks you to do it and you are just a renter, a tenant of the house, you do what it is that the owner asks you to do. Amen. How many times have we been a part of a ministry, a part of a church, and God has asked you to do certain things in the church, and we'd be like, eh, so-and-so got it. Or we got a problem with how so-and-so does something, but yet and still we won't jump in and do anything about it. We've got to understand, you all, that when we have ownership of the house, we've got to treat the house the way the owner wants us to own the house. Amen. Got nothing to do with how we want to treat the house. We are tenants of the house. Amen. Amen. So it says that the vine growers saw the son, threw him out of the vineyard, and killed him. And so Jesus ended the parable by saying, so what should the owner do? It says that the owner will come and destroy the vine growers and give the vineyard to others. When the owner found out that the vine grower, growers wouldn't give respect to anybody, he came back and got what belonged to his. Threw those that were in there out. And gave it to somebody else. What am I saying? You all, if we don't handle the house properly, mm-hmm. God will take this house from us and put other folks in here to carry out his purpose. Is anybody with me in here? He has created this ministry, his house worship center, for a purpose. Does it mean we're better than other churches? No. Does it mean that we handle things better? No. Does it mean that we teach the word better than it? No. Does it mean that I preach better than anybody? No. Jesus. But what it does mean, let me try and look over that. What it does mean is that if he didn't need his house, he wouldn't have called his house. Amen. Y'all get what I'm saying? If he didn't need it, he wouldn't have called it. There's plenty of times, you all, 
Did I sit and I wonder, God, am I doing the right thing? Are you calling me? Are you still calling me to do this? Or is the season up? And I don't say that you all out of disappointment or, or I don't say it out of discouragement or, or disgust or anything like that. I don't say it like that. But I always want to be doing what God is already blessing. I don't want God to bless what I'm doing. Because there are things that God is already destined and I want to do what he's already blessing. So I ask God, do you, do you want me to continue? Do you want me? And then he uses one of you all to come and say, thank God for you. He sends somebody, he, he, he sends, he has somebody message me on Facebook and say, remember you preached a sermon back in 2012. Just kidding, you know I don't remember. You, know, you do, I just, I don't know. You preached a sermon in 2012, that's it for real. I almost got to lean on and say, where was I when I preached that? Was it his house? Was it? Do you remember what I had on that day? <laughs> so I need you to understand the importance of the house. So what, what are the points? What are the points I want to leave you with? There's just three points and then we're done. The first thing we need to understand, you all, that we are tenants, not owners. We are tenants, not owners. We don't own his house. I don't own his house. I may be the pastor, teacher of his house, but I don't own his house. There is nothing that I will do that I will not lay before God first and say, what do you want us to do with this? How do you want us to handle this? Is this the way you want us to do this? Is this not the way you want us to do this? How do you want me to handle uh, 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 wise counsel? How do you want me to handle discipline? How do you want me to handle the finances? What do you want me to do? Because this, this house is unique, I believe, in, in some of the ways that certain things are governed, certain things are led. Can I just be honest with you? Everybody don't have a hand in making decisions in their ministries. The pastor has a business meeting to tell y'all what's about to happen next. But God called us to his house. He called me to start it, but I believe he called you all to be here. Because if he didn't call you all to be here, then you need to ask God where you're supposed to be. I'm just real about that. Because I don't want your growth to be stunted because you someplace you shouldn't be. So we are tenants, you all, not owners. We don't own this ministry. Therefore, we can't say who should be here or who shouldn't be here. Amen. But we are tenants, not owners. The second point I want to leave you with is, guess what? The owner is coming back. The owner is coming back one day. What will we have to show for it? Will we have given up some produce that happened in this vineyard? Will we have given those that came to get something from this vineyard, will they be able to say, I got what I needed? Will they be able to say, when I came to, to, to be in the vineyard, they didn't just immediately put me to work, but they loved on me first till I was ready to work. Watch with me now. Will they be able to say that they got what they needed from this vineyard when the owner comes back. Third point and I'm done. If we don't do what we're supposed to do, we voided our contract. Focus. If we don't do what we're supposed to do, 
we will avoid it, our contract. Remember, I told you we are tenants, meaning that we signed a contract. We signed a contract as to how we would handle this ministry, how we would do what it is we're supposed to be doing, why it is we are who we are. And you all, if we don't do what we're supposed to do, we will have voided our contract. And usually in a contract, it will tell you what uh, punitive damages you will be responsible for if you void your contract. It tells you if you if you break any one of the things, any one of the clauses in the contract, that you are liable to these various actions that will be taken by the owner. You all, I don't know about you, but I don't want God to void our contract. No, ma'am. I don't want God to call us out and say, you're not doing what it is you're supposed to be doing. I don't want God to do that. I don't want God to say, well, since you thought you only had so few folks that couldn't do X, Y, and Z, tell you what, I'm going to take it and give it to some folks that don't mind doing it with two or three people. Mm. Hear what I'm saying, you all. God called us for a purpose. He called us for a plan. He called us in this day and season at this moment for such a time as this. Amen. And I don't know about you, but I've accepted hmm, the fact that I'm a tenant and not an owner. Amen. I've accepted the fact that there's work that needs to be done while the owner is gone. Yes. And I've accepted the fact that he may send some folks here hmm, to get what it is that he expects for us to have available for them. And I don't intend for them to leave empty-handed. Amen. Amen. So will you all help me as we go through this month? Be prayerful. Ask the Lord, what is my role in the house? And I'm not just talking about Sunday school teacher, praise team, a uh, member, a uh, preacher, a uh, 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 media ministry, a uh, uh, musicianship. I'm not talking about those, those roles. But pray and say, God, what is my what is my role in the house? What do you need me to do to make sure that we are upkeeping the house the way you intend for us to? Amen. Not just cleaning, not just making sure that you know stuff is picked up. Not, I'm not talking about any of that. God, how do you want me to pray? What in the word that I need to know so that I can best help? further the kingdom through his house. Because you are, we are the house. It's too many times that I hear people say, I told somebody what the name of this ministry is and they loved it. And I always say, God, why? What is it so, what is so amazing about being called his house worship center? And then I realized that hmm, all churches are supposed to be his house. Mm -hmm. Well, he titled this one to be sure Woo! we never forgot. Yes, this it's is his house. house. Amen. And because it's his house, we are to worship him. Amen. Ah! God, I hear you. Because I always used to wonder, uh, Deacon Elect Mark, what this word center was for. I'm like, okay, I got his house. I got worship. And then what center? And God just told me that Jesus needs to be the center of the house. Yes. 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 
You all, we are the house. And he's called us to do certain things as being a part of this house. I don't want you all to come in anymore and look up here and say, what does this mean? What does it mean, welcome to the house? What does that mean? Because very soon, you all, these banners are going to be down. And what we were called to do is going to replace these banners. Amen. So that we never forget what it is that this house is called to do. Amen. 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 Every head bowed, every eye closed.